and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am once again your host, Mark Kaler. Uh, today, we've got a, actually a very, very old friend of mine. Uh, Mateo Mariscal, uh, first mate, captain, uh, second mate, deckhand, engineer, all the above. Mateo, how are you today? Doing great, Mark. Good to be here. Good, good to have you. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Where were you born and what brought you into fishing? Okay, I was born in Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, my family moved out to Alaska in 1983. So I grew up in Kenai, Alaska. Um, after high school, there were, you know, a few choices for good jobs. Yeah, college was was one of the choices, but I didn't have the money. So it was either fishing or oil field work. Uh, most of my family went into the oil field. I decided to go fishing. So that's how that's how I started. How old were you when your family moved to Kenai? Uh, ten years old. So ten to finish high school there? Finish high school in 1989, and I moved to Kodiak, Alaska, three days after graduation, and then I started working at a, at a net shop for about a year. People tried to get me to go fishing. I was scared. I didn't know anything about it. Finally, a friend of mine that I went to school with, Mark Deshawn, he uh, ended up in Kodiak, and he started fishing, so he came and offered me a job multiple times. Finally, I went. I decided to go fishing, and I've been fishing ever since. So raised in Kenai and scared to go fishing. Yes. A lot of a lot of people around Kenai, that's their their lifeblood is fishing. Yeah, fishing in in the river, that that's what it was. But when I moved to Kodiak, it was fishing out in the ocean. So yeah. at that point, it was either longlining, dragging, uh, trolling, or uh, crabbing. So I ended up. I started on a little little tiny boat, Excalibur. It's a sixty five foot boat out of Oregon, and. Uh, Back then, we used to do joint wait, wait. ventures. How did we go from Kodiak to Oregon? Well, that's so, where the boat was from. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... You started in Kodiak. I started in Kodiak, and I fished around Kodiak. Um, and then I went out to do the, the last of the joint ventures with Russians, Koreans, and all those fleets. And then came back to Kodiak and uh, fished on that boat for, for the summer. And then I switched over to the Dawn. I fished on the Dawn for a while. And then uh, the captain, my captain back then, uh, Mark, he came down to Seattle on the f- and started running a small catcher processor for deep sea. So he called me up, and I came down and did that. I came down to, to Seattle and started on the uh, catcher processor. So I didn't like that very much. What was your job on there? I was a deckhand, and then I became the deck boss, and I only did three seasons, and then I uh, went back to Kodiak, and then I started crabbing. I want to take you back real quick. You said uh, you did nets because you, you you were scared to go out. Yes. What was what was in your mind that was you were scared about? I mean, I, we know it's a dangerous industry, but... I had never been out to sea. I, I mean, I had been on boats on the, on the harbor and stuff like that, but I've never actually left the dock. And it was a, a new fishery to me. I knew about the salmon fishery because through high school I worked at a, uh, the cannery in Kodiak processing salmon. 
but I never left the dog. So, so how'd you get that first job? My friend Mark. Mark was fishing on that boat, and he uh, it was more it was kind of like a dare. So I went out with him, and I was so sick the first time, <laughs> uh, puking sick, you know, for three days. And uh, at the end of the trip, the captain called me up to the wheelhouse, and he said, "Hey, uh, you did okay." You sure you want to come out? You know, you've been sick the whole time. And I wasn't going to let my buddy, you know, laugh at me. So I said, yeah, I'll come out. And, you know, it's more like a dare. And I kept on fishing. So that's that's how I started fishing. How was that first experience? Pretty like scary. Real scary. And, you know, it was a small boat. It was only three of us and the captain. And, uh, oh, Jim Howard. From, Good from old the, Jim Howard. Jim Howard from the Dominator. From the Dominator. He was a deckhand, and then he quit. He quit that boat, and and I think that's when he moved to the Dominator. And I uh, I stayed on the Excalibur, and finished the season, and then another season, and yeah. So I, I worked with Jim Howard my first time out to sea. Yeah, going back to Craig Jensen's episode, he told a pretty good story about uh, Jim. And uh, you guys that haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to that. But uh, okay. had to do a lot with uh, crossing, the, crossing the trawl fence with some torn um, rain gear when it was frozen. Oh. You can imagine how that went. <laughs> but okay, so the first time, super, super new, and, and, and it scared you a bit. Oh, it was really scary. And, you know, a small boat, a 65-foot boat around Kodiak Waters, it was very, very rough. We, have, we haven't had a lot of people describe the Kodiak environment. How How is that different? Because you've been everywhere up there. So yeah. Um, the Kodiak fisheries, you fish around Kodiak Island, and then you go into um, Shelikov. And that's that's a narrow strait, and it can get really nasty really fast. You know, you're in between mainland and Kodiak, and you have the tide going one way, the wind going the other way, and pretty soon you're in heavy seas. And... Um, winter time for a while i I concentrated on doing the summer fisheries because i didn't know anything about the winter breaking ice and all that but uh once i um once i went to the factory trawlers and went to the bearing sea full time that was a total different animal for sure and when did you do that um i switched to well that was uh let's see 90 89 90 92 was when I went to the Bering Sea and worked on one of the Trident boats, a Pacific Viking for a for cod. Brian Fujimoto introduced me to him, and he's you know pretty much threw my name in the hat, and they called Who's me. Who's running that boat then? The Pacific Viking, uh, that, Roy Olson. Roy Olson. Well, was, Roy was the first mate, right? Or back then, Roy was uh, the engineer. He was a crabber who came over to the troll fleet. So it's Plager running it. John. John Plager was running the boat. He was the captain. Arthur Kerr was the mate. Uh, Roy was engineer. I was a deckhand. And then we had another guy, Rory, who, who left soon after. And we also had an Irish guy named... Uh, I can't remember his name at the moment. but okay. Probably old duel. Or no, no, it wasn't Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ronan. His name was Ronan. His name was Ronan from Ireland. He's a funny guy. So, um, yeah, so I fished on, on that boat for five years. That's a great we, platform. Yeah. And then uh, back then we were trying to, it was right before the um, the quarters were ratified. So we were fishing the Pacific side 
around we did some cardiac trips and we also did uh sandpoint and then we'll go over to Akaton and do the Akaton fishery and then we'll come back to sandpoint and do more fishery and then for bee season we will do tendering around there then we'll go to the bristol bay and then back to sandpoint Cody, uh Akaton. so our seasons were very long we did five and a half months sometimes close to six months and you know people got burned out um I actually had to quit to, to get time off. So I quit the Pacific Viking. <laughs> well, hear that story. Yeah, I quit the Pacific Viking and came home, and then I talked to Jim McManus, and, you know, he didn't understand why John didn't let me come home. I had been out there long enough, and we had replenished. We had rotated crew. I was the only one who stayed for the whole thing. You know, being single and no attachments at home, no family to worry about, they kept me all the time. So. Let me intervene here and say that uh, Mateo is kind of the rock star <laughs> of the fleet. He's got to have his hair right. He's got to have his clothes right, yeah. the right cologne. Yeah. So this young man out <laughs> for six months at a time is a travesty to the world. Yeah. <laughs> don't comb your hair. Don't shave your, you know, don't shave for a couple months. You don't even recognize yourself. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm here at work. I don't have to impress anybody. Yeah. So... So what happened next then, after the PV? Um, Jeff Fries on the Viking Explorer, you know, he, he heard that I was available, so he grabbed me really quick. Within a couple of days, he offered me the job, and I went and worked on the Viking Explorer for about five years. So I was with those guys, and uh, same thing. We used to do the Pacific side, the Bering Sea side. That boat we used to crab as well. Tender crab. Seasons were long. So I, once again, had to pretty much quit to get some time off after five years and then I went to the Gladiator and I worked on that boat for four and a half years four I, years so the PV Pacific Viking the VE Viking Explorer I don't remember those guys being crabbing which they were but were we they did. were they good platforms were you um, I had crabbing experience from the Kodiak fleet because I work on the Vicota Bay out of Kodiak full-time crabber and then we, we will do uh Pot Cod. I work on the um, Pacific Venture, the same thing, crabbing in uh, uh, Pot Cod. So those boats weren't full-time crabbers. Some seasons we went crabbing and other seasons we didn't. But once they started to do the IFQs, they wanted everybody to go crabbing. Mm -hmm. And um, on the VE, we, we had a new captain who was eager to go crabbing. Uh, Elmer Luce, he will run the boat part-time for... Uh, Senior or junior? Junior. Junior, okay. So he will run the boat part-time for for uh, Pollock, um, and then he wanted to take the boat crabbing, so Jeff Fries will, you know, step back and let him do that because he didn't want to go crabbing. Once again, you know, the, the crews, the captains were rotating, some of the crew was rotating. I was there full-time, and I, I, I was getting tired of that. So um, at that point, I was looking for a better job you know more money and that's when I went to the gladiator which used to be the flying cloud and it was a it was a new boat to try it in it wasn't a new boat in in the fleet it was a new bought boat by Trident so when I got on that boat we did four shipyards back to back in a row because the boat was in really bad shape but we had a good corda and we got to crab that boat maybe three years that I was there and then they took all the crap from the trollers and gave it to the crabbers. 
So we were happy about that. You know, we didn't want to do it anyway. Done grinding. Yeah, yeah. we're we're grinding way too many months out of the year, and uh, yeah, we're pretty beat up. So we were happy to just do the the poly. Some cod, you know, but yeah, it was it was a different uh, a different time, you know. Yeah, I I really enjoy working on on all those boats are great. I mean, they they were different. There were uh, a lot of good people working on those boats, and um, but yeah, the, uh, of all the boats that I worked on, I think I I want to say I call the the Gladiator my boat. That was uh, the happiest time that I had. The, the it's most got a good skipper, good crew. Good skipper, good oh, crew. Well, actually, they all the do. P- yeah, they all do. Yeah, they're all good people. I I work with any one of those guys any day. You know, they, they they were good to me, and uh, I really appreciate learning from all those guys because I learned from all of them. Well, that's what happens, right? You're around somebody, mm-hmm. and you just kind of start picking up. Yep. So uh, back when you first started, you were scared to go out. But do you remember the first time you were really scared being out there? Yes. Actually, when I came to uh, to Seattle, we were scared on, on, on the smaller boats because, you know, we get beat up differently. We all get beat up out there, but the smaller boats were scarier. But when I came down to Seattle and I was in the Pacific trawler for deep sea, um, we were taking the boat up to... How big was she for? She was, I want to say, 185, somewhere around there. So it was a a small processor. It was a head and gut boat. So it was, it was a... It was a small, a small processor, but a big boat. It was like the biggest boat I've been to, I've been on since, since I started fishing. And we were going across Unimac Pass, and it was one of the roughest crossings I've ever had. Never mind leaving Seattle all the way across, but once we got to Unimac Pass, it was one of the scariest crossings I had. Um, I happened to have a couple of greenhorns out on deck, and they didn't secure the deck properly, and we have 55-gallon barrels of oil washing back and forth on deck and you know I had to go out there and, and secure all this stuff when you're getting beat up like that it was one of the scariest moments of my life I, I really thought we were gonna you know get into some serious trouble um, but I do remember this though we got into Dutch Harbor and after everything was said and done I mean it took me even after we tied up it took me hours to get everything straightened out uh, I had to get some guys from the factory come and help and uh, I went up to the wheelhouse. The captain went to bed, and that song by um, was it Fire and Rain started playing on the radio. So every time I hear that song, it's like boom, switch. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember that day. It was it was pretty scary. So that that was probably the most scariest thing I've ever experienced out there. I like how you said um, big difference between the small boat and the big boat. Yes. So what about the smaller boats? The smaller boats. Um, We just got beat up quite a bit, but I I don't think I had a scary scary time on those boats on the little little boats. So when you say beat up, you're just talking weather, just getting weather knocked around and get knocked around, you know, and and but things not break, a but not a panic moment. That that time on the Pacific trawler was a panic moment. So a big boat, stuff sliding on deck. Yes, that's the that's the one. That's the one because you know there's two feet of water out on deck and and here's 55 gallon drums washing around and across and there's 
bundles of web and who knows what else we broke you know we we didn't get a, a real assessment as to how bad it was till the next day and at that point there was some hydraulic pipe that had broken you know with somebody threw in the hydraulics and oil everywhere so it, at that point you know i since i had some green green horns on deck and I asked him to go and close a hatch. I learned something that time that, you know, if you ask somebody to go and close a hatch, you have to go and double check it. Show them. And I expect them to do the same for me. It's nothing personal, but if I say do this, I, I want to make sure it gets done. And I expect them to do the same. Um, the Pacific Viking had a picture on uh, in the galley that said, uh, in God we trust, everything else we check. So once I left the those that fleet, that the, um, the smaller boats, and I went to the Trident boats, you know, that stuck with me, that I will go and check everything. You know, the, yeah, you, you learn to trust your guys, but it's it's not an insult to go and check their work. You know, I expect them to do it for me too. So, yeah, that's that, well, th that was a big difference. There. Everybody can fuck up. Oh, yeah. Everybody can have a bad day. You know, you forget to do something. So, it happens. Um, Oh, yeah, there was another thing that I've learned. I, I forgot who said that to me one time, that, you know, boats don't sink, people sink boats. So, well, it's if, usually... If you leave them tied up on the dock, they don't, <laughs> they, they, they're not, probably not going to sink. No, but it's usually human error why a, boat's go, why, why a boat goes down. You know, it, it's one way or another it's going to be human error because a boat is not going to sink on its own. And it's became a lot less... Uh, recently than it used to be mm -hmm. um, which is because of safety uh, that's that's one of the things I mean back in the days you know we we never saw the Coast Guard it was uh, we knew it was there but nowadays because of the restrictions and the new um, requirements the new laws I mean 25 years ago people didn't have to go and do um, schooling you know like be prepared if you walk the dock and you ask for a job and somebody needed a deckhand you have the job you know you were not required to go and do a safety um class or learn cpr first day first aid fire firefighting firefighting and all that so now with the new regulations yes people are working safer and we have so much new technology you know back then we had to use cable Nowadays, we have Spectra, probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Spectra, you know. by the way, guys, is like uh, almost like a cloth material. Yes. And cable is a steel material. And they are so different. So different. And Spectra, I mean, if I remember right, if I remember correctly, it's time and a half diameter stronger than cable. So if you have a one-inch cable and you have a one-inch Spectra, the Spectra is about an inch and a half stronger. strength of cable so yeah that's it and then It'll pull one and a half times away the more you use it the stronger it gets it gets angry yeah so it gets fierce it, it's easier to to work with you know a guy can grab a hook and run with it versus before it'll take three of us to pull a cable so it, it's it's you a, can it's grab wonderful. spectra and coil it yes you, you can. cannot grab a uh, cable and coil mm, it. you can coil it but it, it, it takes some not in the same muscle. diameter right it, it's it's yeah it, it's it's a world of difference for sure yeah and it's amazing how it's come that far yeah it's amazing so where do you see yourself in five years i've been trying to get my own boat for the last 
five years. You know, I, I got my license. I went to school thanks to BNN. I, I had an injury, and while I was down, um, they helped me go through school. So I got my captain's license and my mate license, and I've been trying to get my own boat to run. But, it, you know, it's <sighs> unlucky for me. There's, there's a lot of good uh, guys who are captain material. You know, they have the experience. They have the, the, the know-how. And it's every boat's got three or four guys who just waiting to get there, waiting to to take, get the captain's chair. So competition is fierce, you know. And I I keep trying. Uh, just gonna keep on doing what I'm doing and get a bigger license, and maybe and another door might open up for me. Explain the license process. License process. Okay, so for you, for you, for me, I've I had over twenty plus years experience so you collect your sea days and I was on the smaller boats that were not required to have licenses I was only able to get a hundred ton master's license and a, was it 1200 uh, maids of fishing so it's a two-way process if you have big tonnage with enough days you can get a certain rating a certain license let's say 500 tons right if you have the same amount of time on a boat that is a hundred ton rating, you can only get up to a hundred. So it, it goes, it varies. You can have big tonnage, fewer days and get a big license. Or you can have a lot of days, small tonnage and get maybe the same license. I had all the experience all, all the, the time, but I didn't have the tonnage. So my license was pretty small. It's pretty small. I only have a 200 masters right now. I have big tonnage on the mate side. I think I go up to like 3,000 now, but I, I need to go to, and what you have to do is, we don't have to go to school. A lot of people go through the academy. We have the time served, we have the experience. So all we do when we go to school, they prepare us to take the test. And once you do that, you can go and take the test at the Coast Guard, therefore you get your license. Well, I think time at sea is way more important than than learning from a book and going to the academy. So it, it was funny when I was in school the first time I um, I was at school here in Seattle, Crawford's, you know, I was in school with a lot of people from the ferry boats, a lot of people from the tugboats, and, you know, you introduce yourself and, and tell the class where you came from, and everybody wanted to be in my group in case of an emergency because I have the experience, and I've been in the... <laughs> roughest shittiest weather out there <laughs> versus all these guys are in you know nice weather in the lake or they're just going across to Bembridge Island and it's like hey we, we want to be in his group because he knows what to do trying to get their license yeah they, we're all trying to get our license and, and they have some time served but a lot of them were academy <clears throat> people too that they didn't do well in the academy but they can come and take the test as well so they have the smarts but they don't have the experience time is proven Right, mm -hmm. you gotta earn your stripes, as it were. Yes, we do. Remember some good times at sea. Oh, it's always a good time. <laughs> it's always a good time. Even the bad times are a good time. Um, that's how you learn. You know, there's some experiences where you you set your net and you know you catch some fish and you're trying to bring it on board, and things go bad for you. Hydraulics, you have hydraulic problems. You break one side of of the net. One of the um, you hang your door. You know, so you just figure out what to do and try to do it as safely as possible and get your net back because, you know what, after 
fighting and working to get this net on board. Uh, you put your fish down and guess what? You have to set it back out again and do it all over again. Figure out what works right there and now and then get fixed when you come back to port. Crabbing was always fun. You know, it, it was very rewarding that, you know, you were working really hard. You're doing 20-hour days and you get beat up a lot. But at the end of the season, you make really good money and we used to get a, a free home pack. That was worth it to us just to bring some crab home. You know, the money was great, but the home pack was better. Who doesn't like that? Uh, exactly. I mean, I, and at that point, you know, the rewards were that you get to bring some crab home and you come home and you get to see your family again and have a fest. You have a crab fest. And you people. Say, I caught this. <laughs> I caught this. And, you know, your cousins and the neighbors you never talked to, they all come over to have a great dinner with King Crab. You know, same thing for, you know, uh, when you do uh, tendering and you get to have some salmon. You know, say, I caught this and I brought Let, it let's home. Let's stop the myth, though. Okay. So you got dungies. Yes. Tanners. Yes. Or um, Paradise. Paradise. Uh, Opilio, snow crab, yes. kings. Yes. What's your favorite? The tastiest is the dungies. Really? I think dungies are the tastiest. So does Stephanie. Yeah. King crab is great. It tastes good. You get a big chunk of out of those legs, but it, I don't think it's the best tasting crab. I, I really think it's don't. the le the most work almost for the most amount of meat. For me, yes. Baird Eye is my absolute go-to. Okay. Baradise really good. I mean, they're all really good. I Well, all crab's good. All crab's good. Um, but I'm fickle. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, you know, since uh, brown, uh, the brown crab is, is getting really popular, I've been getting some of that, and that's really good crab. I just took some down to Havasu, and, uh, God, people love me. <laughs> <laughs> well... If you're going to anywhere in Arizona or Las Vegas or Nevada, Nevada, yeah, yeah, Nevada, you're gonna get yeah hail marys for bringing well, crab no, down. No, no, yeah, oh yeah, and, you know, and there's a lot of uh, fish product in 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 Vegas and Nevada. They actually have a really good connection down there. I mean, they get really fresh food down there, but. When you take it down to Havasu for people that, you know, you, you've known for years and they they all know me as a fisherman and then I actually bring them some, you know, and, and that's extra special for them and for me because they they have never had, yeah, they go to a restaurant and have, you know, order some fish, fish and chips or whatever, but it's not the same when somebody actually brings it to you and I caught it. It says here I got this. This for is you. what this is what I do. So yeah, it, it's it's extra special. For me. What would you say to young guys trying to think about getting yeah. in here now? I think it's a or very, girls, or, or girls. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of girls coming up the the, the pipeline, especially on the factory trawlers. Um, the Pacific Storm, I think they have like two girls on the deck crew, and they're tough. They're really there, tough. There ones. are tenders in the bay. That oh, are yeah. All they're, women. These girls are, are tough, and, you know, hey, they can do it just as well as we can. Um, I think it's a good um, profession, and I'm saying profession because what we do, it, it's it's a profession. Fishing is not for everybody. Um, and through the years, my experience, and I this is what I tell my guys, my deckhands, or, you know, if I'm the mate, whoever's working under me, 
80% of the battle of fishing, of being out to sea, is wanting to be there. If you don't want to be there, if you don't, if you have something going on at home, you need to go home, go and do that. But if you really want to be there, it's a really good profession. You have a lot of time off. You make really good money, so you don't have to work when you're home. And we actually do need all these guys to come up because we're all getting older and we don't have anybody that we can teach. I, I see gray hair on you. Oh, yeah, Mikhail. I know, right? It's and like, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's, it's well, I'm not a young I figured you'd anymore. be a dyer. I figured you'd dye your hair. No, I, I'm allergic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to dye. Seriously, I'm allergic to dye. Now, guys, but... <laughs> we're going back 15 years here where he's always the cleanest one in the club. He's got his shirt on right. It's pressed. It's probably even got, what do you call it? The, uh, starch. Starch on it. See? Oh, yeah. He knows. Um, the best jewelry. He's the, uh, he's the player of uh, the group. I, I like, I mean, I, I treated myself all through the years because I work really hard. Therefore, I, I truly have earned all those things, you know. And, uh, I, yeah, I like to, to, you know, treat myself. Um, going back to, to the young the youngings coming up, you know, I, if it's a really good profession. And if you want to do it, come and do it. You know, there's a lot of good guys that can teach you how the right way. Right now, we're still around, um, but we're getting tired. You know, I'm I'm 40 years, 48 years old now. You know, I'm not I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And like I said, I I, I should be riding my own boat now, but I I haven't had the opportunity. I'm working on it, and yeah, I mean it. I I always want my guys, the new the newcomers, the greenhorns, you know, to. I help him as much as I can because I was lucky enough to have guys like that when I was coming up. You know, Ed French who runs a Who was the one for you? Who was the one? The one that, there's been several guys that I, I really look up to. Um, one of the guys that I really, really appreciate and learn a lot from. I asked you for the one. The one. I, there's, I, I can just can't pick do it. one. I can pick one. All right, give me three. <laughs> give you three, okay. Um, Ed French has been has been a really good friend, and he's I've learned so much from Ed. I mean, the guy is just a fountain of knowledge. Um, I respect Eddie, and he's any problem I have ever had, I can just call him. Even though we're in the we're not in the same boat anymore, I can always call him and ask him anything. And you guys and can look up me. Eddie's episode; he recorded yeah. here. Eddie's awesome. Um, I have also always had a lot of um, um, respect. For this particular captain, uh, Denny Clark, it's been awesome. He, he he's always you know when I when I first met Danny, and I learned something about some captains from Danny, and Danny was different. He actually, when he offered me the job, he didn't ask me to come and work for him. He says, "Come and work with me." Oh, so that right there set out. A whole new standard for the captains for the of the future for me, um, and then um, another great guy that I, I I will work with this guy any day if he needs me I'll quit my job and go and work for him uh, Norman Bacon Norman Bacon Norman Bacon <laughs> that guy is amazing he he cannot work his whole crew by himself Norman is he is he's the only he's captain great. you see walk up in shipyard and. 
not that cabins don't work because they do, but he's the one that you think the is the engineer. Dirtiest. He he. You Jeez. think he's the engineer or oh, yeah. or a labor ready guy? Because well, he gets so dirty. But he knows his boat inside and out. Norman is the boat. Norman is the Aldebaran. That guy is amazing. You know he overwork. He he outwork anybody. I I had the opportunity to to crowd with Norman. You know, and we've been out 20 hours. Yeah, we're running gear. He's driving the boat. We, you know, shut down the boat for a few hours. Norman will stay up in the wheelhouse and maybe, like, kind of take a real, uh, a small nap, an hour maybe or two. And the rest of us, you know, we're beat up. And we come out and say, hey, Norman, go to bed. I'll take it. He's like, no, no, you, you know, you guys are working hard. We finish the season. We're running back to town. We're, you know want to do a rotation so everybody can get some sleep norman will send everybody to bed and he he will stay up that guy's he's amazing. a machine he's a machine he's he sets the standards for captains i mean norman's it's great um and he's so quiet about it yeah yeah and he's he's so easy going you know um jeff Freeze was a great guy to work for um lauren i gave you three. Oh. Well, you're, you're like I said, there's a lot of them. You know, I, I, now I, listen, there's a lot. I, of them. I know two out of the three you mentioned, but Norman is an exception to every fucking rule. Yes. He is. Norman is. It's great. Norman has. Uh, you know, he's 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 an inspiration. I mean, I've I've always loved Norman. He that guy's he's great. You know, uh, Jeff Freeze is gonna love the fact that you mentioned him though. Oh, Even he, though I cut him off, <laughs> Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> Jeff is awesome. Uh, Lauren. Uh, LP, he works on the um, BNN fleet. Yep. So, what are you doing now? Right now, I'm working for Global Seas. I'm on the Bering Defender. Um, Big boat. Yeah. Well, the Bering Defender is the sister ship to the Northern Patriot and the Sovereignty. Yep. It used to the, be the, the old third, uh, what Donia Martita. Yeah. It was the Donia Martita. Um, oh, I forgot to mention Arthur Kerr. Arthur and Kerr and I, uh, we work on three different boats together, and I've learned a lot from Art. You know, we had our differences once in a while. We love to hate each other and hate to love each other. That kind he of hates you, Art. Hear that? Yeah, I love Arthy. <laughs> Art is awesome. I, I love Art. You know, we, we had our really good times working with that guy, too. Mateo, we're going to wrap it up. Okay. But before we do, yes. is there anything else you want to say? Just glad to be back. I mean, I had an injury and I'm back. So I'm hopefully this time I get it right and I can get my own boat. I can run my own boat. I mean, I, I have the knowledge. I have the experience. I have everything it takes. I have the license. I just don't have a boat just yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're going to find that. I'm sure I will. I love you, brother. I love you too, Mark. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for coming. All right, guys. Another episode of uh, Galley Stories in the books. Uh, look us up. Follow us Instagram. Facebook. I think our Twitter is pretty well dead. That bird's dead. Twitter, but the, they're horrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I forget to update that. You know, it's, yeah. I'm like terrible at that. But Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Whether you like it or not, we're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter too. And reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.